0: Welcome
1: back. Uh, can I use your mic? DJ, hit me.
2: This
0: is the craziest thing I've ever experienced
2: in my life. Gary Hoffman. The problem, sir, is that our hero is not—he's uh, not a handsome man. Shannon Ferent. The Whole crowd band together and start a chant. Gary and Shannon. That's
0: how the show
3: starts. Yeah.
4: See the big fight on Twitter this morning? Which is better, Friends or Seinfeld?
3: Uh, I oh, Is this an age thing?
4: I don't know because I think we've got different viewpoints in the other room and they're oh, about the same age. They're about the same age. Yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah, Nick's a Seinfeld guy, and I would wager that Blake comes down on the Friends side of this one. I was
3: never, I didn't watch much of Seinfeld. I acknowledge how great it is, but I I have more of an emotional attachment to Friends.
4: Nick, and I'm quoting here, said that if you said Friends, he would kick you in the face.
3: I might have been exaggerating, but...
4: Yeah?
0: Which part? (laughs)
3: You, You wouldn't kick him, or you wouldn't kick him in the face? It's important.
4: Well, you heard in Amy's news the New York police commissioner James O'Neill firing the officer that arrested Eric Garner, ending with the death of Eric Garner, the I can't breathe slogan that came out of that. Garner was non compliant, according to the commissioner, but The officer did use a banned chokehold in violation of department protocol.
3: It was interesting the way the commissioner said that you could use it. It was it was uh, acceptable at one point in the struggle because there was a fear that the officer and Eric Garner were going to fall through a plate glass window, which would have been potentially deadly to both of them. And that but after that moment then you cannot use the chokehold.
4: We've got some breaking local news. Campus police at Cal State Fullerton say they're searching for a man suspected in a stabbing in the parking lot there at Cal State Fullerton. The police department's official Twitter account describes the incident as an assault with a deadly weapon. Apparently happened about 8.30 this morning in a parking lot south of College Park. Suspect has been described as um, a man, black hair, pants and shirt. Uh, and the, then, uh, the the Fullerton Police Department describe it as a homicide. So oh, really? Cal State Fullerton police say it's an assault with a deadly weapon. Fullerton PD says a homicide. This is the first day of the fall semester there. Wow. Oh, we'll stay on top of that.
3: Uh, there was a shooting as well. I like PD officers were involved in a shooting overnight in uh, sort of the El Sereno area, Lombardy at Alhambra. They were on patrol about 1130. And somebody standing on the corner just started shooting at them. So they got out of their car and eventually shot and killed the guy who was uh, who was doing that. Um, all of these stories. We'll get some more information, of course, as we go through. But, man, this is a uh, – the last few days, there have been three, apparently, mass shooting plots that have been stopped because – Somebody saw something and said something three different times.
4: Police in each case say the men, all white and in their 20s, posted online or sent text messages with the threats of committing these mass shootings. So here is what we know. One of them came to us from Connecticut. 22-year-old man from Norwalk, Connecticut, arrested on four counts of illegal possession of large-capacity magazines. There was a joint investigation from the Norwalk police and the FBI that was opened because federal authorities got a tip that this guy was trying to buy high-capacity rifle magazines out of state.
3: Yeah, that he had online posted something about an interest in committing a mass shooting. Uh, They found a couple of guns registered to this guy's father, multiple rounds of ammo, body armor, other tactical equipment. Side note, that's the first one. There's two others to get to. Is it? Is it just me, or do do you think we should consider these guys as mass shooters? In that we shouldn't advertise their picture and and name all over
4: the place. I do. It, That's why I'm not saying that, the name. I know. Yeah. But but it seems
3: like every time I I've seen this story over the last twelve hours or so, there's three giant mug shots yes. of these guys, all capital letters. This is the guy's name.
4: Yep. Why? Why I don't do you know do why that? we're doing that in the media. I really don't.
3: Anyway, that's the first one from Connecticut. The second one is from uh, Florida, Daytona Beach specifically. A 25-year-old guy arrested, charged with making threats to commiss- a ma- uh, commit a mass shooting. Deputies there were investigating after they were alerted to multiple texts, that, texts that, is, that he sent with his plans to commit a mass shooting. My understanding was it was a girlfriend that was receiving these. Uh, he wrote something along the lines of, A school is a weak target. I'd be more likely to open fire on a large crowd of people from over three miles away. I'd want to break a world record for longest confirmed kill ever.
4: Another text read, but a good 100 kills would be nice. I already have a location. And then a laughing cry face emoji. He wrote, is that bad? Now, he doesn't own firearms, allegedly, but the sheriff's office says, clearly fascinated with mass shootings. And then Ohio is where the third case was. 20-year-old guy, police got a tip about an online video where he identified himself as the shooter at a Jewish community center. Now, the shooting hadn't happened. Hadn't happened yet, I guess we could say. He was arrested on, listen to these charges, this was creative, telecommunications harassment and aggravated menacing. The video post on Instagram tagged the Jewish Community Center of Youngstown, and they carried out a search warrant at his parents' house. He was arrested without incident. They say they did find rounds of ammunition, semi-automatic weapons, and anti-Semitic information.
3: I don't know anybody who's going to jump to the uh, who's going to jump to the defense of these guys. No, I mean this is mom. This is exactly this is exactly what it is that we're suggesting needs to be done on a much more regular basis and it's i'm not saying that law enforcement hasn't been doing their job i'm saying that somebody went to to law enforcement
4: yeah exactly somebody somebody
3: blew the whistle on these guys they raised the red flags and waved it very clearly and said this is a guy who's telling you right now he's telling you uh one of them wrote i'm not crazy i just want to die and i want to have fun doing it wait a minute That's the definition of crazy, is you want to die and have fun doing it. I
4: understand if we're not catching the guys who don't show any sort of red flag, the Vegas shooter comes to mind where... There was no online rant. There's no note left behind. He didn't show himself, really, before he carried out that massacre. But when these guys are publicly, on public social media sites, talking about this, somebody's going to see it, and it's up to that person, it's up to all of us, to see those comments and phone them in. And now law enforcement taking them very seriously.
3: Good for them. All right. Uh, when we come back, the uh, guy who was... Well, we'll do a couple things out of New York. We'll explain what was going on with this Eric Garner decision today. The officer who put him in a chokehold has officially been fired. But also the uh, New York City subway scare guy was taken into custody. Another one of those, hey, he's not well. He's doing things that are showing the uh, the potential for violence. Let's make sure that we get him some help that he needs.
4: That's next on Gary and Shannon. I just want to keep going.
3: Following a story out of Cal State Fullerton, the uh, campus police say they are looking for a man suspected of stabbing one uh, somebody in a uh, campus parking lot. And they describe it as an assault with a deadly weapon. Fullerton Police, the city police department, says that this was a homicide.
4: They say a man was killed there on Langsdorf Drive on campus. It was re- reported about 845 this morning.
3: All right, so we'll keep an eye on that. There was another uh, story that's been sort of gaining steam since the middle of last week really there's been some discussion about whether or not we may be headed for a recession everybody remembers the old inverted yield curve most economists that have been surveyed by the national association for business economics say that they do expect a recession in the near future it's just a matter of when whether it's uh, two years from now next year whatever it is Well, the president has been pushing back against that. We'll talk more about that in Swamp Watch and also in the one o'clock hour as well.
4: Speaking of the president, I was reading an article this morning. I guess Anthony Scaramucci is also picking up steam on cable news with his effort to unseat the president in 2020. And connected with Anthony Scaramucci building a coalition of former cabinet members to get rid of the president, uh, Mark Sanford's name has surfaced as a potential threat to the president on the Republican ticket in 2020. Yes, Mark Sanford, isn't that the guy who took yeah. off with his Argentinian uh, lover on he, the trail? He disappeared. Yeah. Okay, so disappeared. that's not a good start.
3: No, but, but what I find funny about this going ongoing PP match between uh, the president and Anthony Scaramucci is... As much as he is downplaying, as much as President Trump is downplaying the importance of who Anthony Scaramucci was to the administration and who he is right now, the fact that he keeps mentioning him continues to give him some sort of capital that he's using to get all over uh, cable news channels.
4: Right. But you know what? I got to ask you this. Would the media give Anthony Scaramucci as much time as they're giving him considering his role in the whole thing? Would they give him as much time if it wasn't this president? In the Oval Office no i no no
3: he'd he'd be lost in some wall street you know what did what did he do by the way, he was a financier, wasn't he I mean he was a
4: before communications director, yeah, yeah, I believe so, and now he has a book to his name, and that well he wrote in the book all about how much he liked the president right,
3: but then said it was his. There's some
4: I think then he ran out of attention I think he ran out of, uh, of attention and this was the way to to capture it again
3: a <clears throat> couple stories out of New York today that we'll talk about one of which is uh the NYPD commissioner James O'Neill made the announcement this morning that he's going to fire officer Daniel Pantaleo for the uh, chokehold death of Eric Garner
2: I agree with the deputy commissioner of trials legal findings and recommendations it is clear that Daniel Pantaleo can no longer effectively serve as a New York City police officer in carrying out the court's verdict, verdict in this case, I take no pleasure. I know that many will disagree with this decision, and that is their right.
3: You know, he said something as well. This uh, this New York uh, commissioner, longtime cop—that's how you get to become the commissioner. He said, "As a cop, I'd be mad at me too," because he knew that some of the rank and file are going to look at this decision where he's going along with the uh, the recommendation that Officer Pendaleo be fired.
4: And that he doesn't back up his yeah. guys. Yeah, And he
3: he said, listen, I, I get it. I understand why you think that, but I also have to pay attention to and protect this, uh, the people of the city of New York as well.
4: well. A homeless man from West Virginia is the one who's facing charges for placing those two devices that look like pressure cookers in the subway there in New York, which uh, just meant a mess for the morning commute evacuated the the stations and everything like that he apparently is 26 years old and he does have a criminal past he was arrested at least three times in the past eight years most recently an arrest in 2017 on charges he sent obscene material to a minor his cousin told a local tv station there in west virginia that he's a good person who's been dealing with mental health issues
3: Yeah, we've – and, you know, in the context of what we've been seeing with our mass shooting coverage and the, you know, people's calls for better mental health treatment, we all know and we'll say it over and over again that the – that mental health is – it's very rare for mental health to show itself as violence or to present as violence, but – when it does, it needs to be paid attention to. And it sounds like this is what this guy has been dealing with. I mean, how many millions of people deal with mental health issues all the time that don't get sucked into things like this, that don't show violent tendencies?
4: His cousin says that this is a guy that has a habit of picking up items in one place and putting them down in another, whether it's tools or a fishing pole or something like that. He'll Pick up one thing and leave it there, pick up another, leave it over there. She says, I've watched him do it a bunch of times.
3: Now, again, the rice cooker thing on the subway platform, they weren't even designed to look like bombs. No. It's just the fact that they were a pressure cooker that was put into that area that, that was what was causing people's consternation. So, perhaps.
4: Well, we've got a little bit of a royal scandal on our hands with Buckingham Palace having to now release a statement about Jeffrey Epstein. This is... A- Because a video released over the weekend that shows the fourth in line to the throne inside Jeffrey Epstein's mansion in New York City a handful of years ago. After
3: he registered as a sex offender.
4: Yes, sir. Isn't that a. Would you be hanging around with your friend who was a registered sex offender? If I knew? Like, say one of your good friends. Yeah. I won't name names. Okay.
3: I know Um, who you're thinking.
4: Okay. Say he gets in trouble, oh, it's got to be a he, yeah, okay. he gets in trouble for right. for this kind of stuff, yeah, would you stand by him and still be his friend, or no. would you never talk to him again? uh, somewhere in the middle
3: well there's a there's a part of me that's optimistic that what I don't know that he would be a good person from this point on. But okay, let's say he lot. had an
4: island where he would fly little girls and to have them? sex with them yeah, yeah, probably to I rape them.
3: Yeah, well, he wouldn't be invited over. No.
4: I don't think so. But, but I, I appreciate wouldn't. your optimism.
3: Everyone's got a silver lining. You're a good friend to have. Oh. See? <laughs> no matter how bad you get. I know. I still hope there's goodness for you. <laughs> All right, Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment.
0: You got a little, you can use much more. <laughs>
3: Uh, I've never been blessed with uh, carrying a human life anywhere in my body. Uh, But I'm always fascinated by these stories where women think that they're sick or something and then they have babies. This woman thought she had kidney stones and went to the hospital and delivered triplets.
4: I'm fascinated by that as well. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) I don't understand that. Those do not look anything like
3: kidney stones. They look like baby humans. So weird. So
4: weird. uh, Gavin Newsom is set to sign a bill giving California one of the toughest use of force laws in the country for police, allowing police only to use deadly force when, and I'm quoting here, when necessary in defense of a human life rather than when reasonable. And it instructs police to use de-escalation de-escal- uh, uh, tactics before a shooting. This is the first I've heard about this. No, I, I
3: remember that they were talking about changing some of the rules. On
4: right. It. I didn't know that it it had passed its way to his desk. Yeah, I didn't know that either. It
0: got that far.
4: It's going to happen, whether well, you like it or not. <laughs> well prince andrew did not have a good weekend there was video showing prince andrew inside jeffrey epstein's home in new york waving goodbye to a young woman the video is dated december 6th 2010 and if you're doing the math yes that's two years after he had to register as a sex offender when there was that bogus investigation and sweeping of his issues under the rug in Florida.
3: Yeah, you raised that question, and the more I think about it, I don't understand how this gets, how this passes the sniff test. The idea that Prince Andrew has been involved with uh, Jeffrey Epstein is clear. I mean, it, it's been proven. There's, It's not just the pictures. There's documentation. It's, uh, it's uh, meetings that they've done together. It's events that they've done together. There was a statement that was put out by Buckingham Palace that Prince Andrew has been appalled by the recent reports of Jeffrey Epstein's alleged crimes. The
4: palace went on to say his royal highness deplores the exploitation of any human being and the suggestion he would condone, participate in or encourage in any such behavior is abhorrent. So it's us, it's it's the media that is uh, abhorrent because why? Why? I mean, these allegations did not come out of nowhere. Uh, Virginia, that that woman, I, who claims that Epstein paid her to have sex with Prince Andrew two decades ago when she was seventeen, that those allegations came out weeks ago, and then the video over the weekend. We're not inventing this stuff. Yeah. It's tangible.
3: Now, this is not. Uh, this is also not new. We've known that these guys have had a connection, or a friendship, or a relationship, or a transactional, whatever. For some time because Prince Andrew used to be the trade envoy for the United Kingdom and the original pictures that came out that showed Prince Andrew with Jeffrey Epstein still then a convicted child rapist and a sex offender that had to register with the law. Those pictures when they came out in 2011 forced him to quit his role as the trade envoy.
4: Remember that document dump on the Friday before his alleged suicide all about the defamation lawsuit yes, by, by the, Virginia? The
3: one that was naming names. Right. So. There,
4: uh, there were documents that included portions of a deposition from a woman named Joanna. says so she was 21 years old in 2001 when Prince Andrew grabbed her breast there at Epstein's mansion in New York. She testified the incident was sparked when someone suggested those gathered take a picture. At which point, Joanna said that she and Ghislaine Maxwell went to a closet and grabbed a puppet of Andrew. She says in this 2016 deposition, they told us to go get on the couch. And so Andrew and Virginia sat on the couch and they put on the puppet. They put the puppet in her lap. So she says then she sat on Andrew's lap. And I believe they took the puppet's hands and put it on Virginia's breast and Andrew put his on mine. What the hell kind of party is this? <laughs> I'm trying to puppets are coming out of the closet. Okay. Puppets of people that are in attendance. So Do you have a puppet of yourself at home?
3: I don't think so. If I do, it's not a very good one. Like I have a sock on my hand and I go, hey, look, it's me. <laughs> uh I I'm trying to Again, to go back to what you said earlier, and I said, well, I would try to be optimistic about someone's future, and I'm trying to be optimistic because because I think you have to with you have to take these accounts with with a grain of salt and say, you know, we don't necessarily know the context of it, we don't know the conversation that was going on, but I can't imagine what the hell conversation went on with. Oh, you guys! Before you go anywhere, I want to show you my Prince Andrew puppet.
4: And let's take a picture. Yeah, here's a And have funny the thing. puppet grab people's breasts. Oh,
3: and my puppet is naughty.
4: <laughs> Another piece of uh, Epstein news. It looks like there is a woman who's talking about filing a report against him back in 1997 and that investigators did not take her seriously. She says that he groped her during what she thought was a modeling interview for the Victoria's Secret catalog. She was working as a model uh, in her early 20s, and she heard that Jeffrey Epstein could get her into the Victoria's Secret catalog. So she calls him or sends a resume and pictures, and they arrange a meeting. They meet at a hotel room, and she says that she went in there, and he immediately was critical of her appearance and said, come come a little bit closer and I'm going to have to see you naked now. So he's helping her take off her clothes. And then he says, let me manhandle you for a little bit and starts grabbing her rear end. And at that point she leaves. And then I guess he, as she's leaving, he, he pulls out a $100 bill to give it to her. But she didn't want to take it because she felt like she was being treated like a prostitute. Right. Then ended up actually taking it, she says, because she needed gas.
3: Now, she says she went to Santa Monica PD after that, the next day, to to complain about this. Uh, A male detective noted that she had willingly gone to Jeffrey Epstein's room, though she emphasized that the purpose was business, and she remembered the detective suggesting that she think about whether or not she really wanted to file a report. Now, the uh, Associated Press, apparently, was able to get Santa Monica PD to summarize parts of the detective's notes to a reporter. And those notes showed that Jeffrey Epstein was questioned soon after this complaint came in and gave a conflicting statement. Most notably, the detective wrote that the woman did not want to press charges against Epstein, but wanted wanted him warned about his behavior An assertion that she says never happened. She wanted him charged with this. So it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much more effort and energy we need to pour into Jeffrey Epstein it's now people like Prince Andrew and uh, Bill Clinton and uh, anybody who have been hanging around this guy that may have been involved. We've got to start seeing charges against the the Ghislaine Maxwell and other people who are perpetrating a lot of this. I well.
4: believe they're firm they're they're building a case against her, and that they just they're just waiting to get everything that they can to use in that attack. Um, all right, couple. Uh, excuse me, cuddle therapy. You've heard about couples therapy, obviously, but. We have reported on cuddle therapy. Apparently it's a thing. Well now we've got a cuddle therapist in trouble with the law. I You just read the headline, didn't you?
3: Well, I read what she was accused of suggesting the other person do. Yeah. During a cuddle session.
4: I don't Yeah, listen, I don't know the rules of cuddle therapy.
3: Well, that's not supposed to be part of it.
4: Apparently not. We'll get into it when we come back. Gary and Shannon. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. We are monitoring the news out of Cal State Fullerton. Fullerton police say they are investigating a murder that happened at a Cal State Fullerton campus parking lot on Langsdorf Drive about quarter to nine this morning. The The latest news was they were still searching for a man in black shirt and black pants.
3: You see the images out of Hong Kong from yesterday? They said that one point seven million people participated in rally and march throughout the streets of hong kong police have said the number was much lower than that but if it was 1.7 that's about one in every four people who was out in the streets in Hong Kong yesterday.
4: Also, 74% of economists are concerned about a recession that they say will hit by the end of 2021. We'll learn more about that coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. But this was the headline that grabbed my morning.
3: Consider this a call for there to be some sort of regulation for cuddle therapy.
4: It's an unregulated industry, Gary. I know. It's relatively new and as we know, it's hard for legislation to catch up with new industries or new technology. Okay, but this is... Suzanne Woodward is the cuddle therapist that we are talking about. And she says she's certified? She's a qualified
3: masseuse. The the question is, who gives a certification for cuddling?
4: Uh, Unsure. It could be the Arizona State Board of Massage. That sounds like a fun place to work. This woman, Suzanne, she charges $80 for cuddling sessions. Mm -hmm. They do say that it's a stress relief therapy.
3: Well, she says something magical happens when a person is held. I could see that.
4: Well, according to ABC 15, the local television station there in Tempe, Arizona, she had had four sessions with uh, this person client in particular who expressed a desire for nudity because there was apparently some sexual trauma in the past and the therapist was going to help this client be nude again apparently the client told her that it had always been his dream to be held naked by a woman well it was the fourth session Oh, I'm sorry, it's a woman.
3: Yeah, that adds a little twist to it, doesn't it? The
4: client is a woman. Oh,
3: yes. He's
4: a woman. Interesting. Okay, so on the fourth session, Mm -hmm. the woman client gets undressed. Right. And Suzanne Woodward, the cuddle therapist, invites the client to rest her head on her breasts. Is everybody naked?
3: Yeah, everybody's
4: naked. naked. We're all naked in here. Got it. The woman told the Arizona Republic that Suzanne told her to suck her nipple. And the therapist told her, I am channeling, nurturing energy to you through my breast. Now, Suzanne Woodward claims it was the client that initiated the mouth-to-breast contact and that it was entirely consensual and that the client thanked her for the sessions and seemed in good spirits afterwards. Well, the client says she only realized when she got home how effed up that was. That's my own words there. That's not in the story.
3: And it's not legal precedent in the state of Arizona. She said she contacted Tempe police, but they told her nothing illegal had happened. The lawyer for the uh, certified cuddle therapist has argued before the state massage board that she had been acting in her cuddling capacity and therefore uh, it was not within the, uh, the boundaries of potential prostitution
4: or sexual contact apparently the nipple sucking lasted for five minutes if you were wondering um i have a listen not-
3: I, on their website they yeah. explain they explain does suzanne what cuddling and cuddle parties would be tell me more uh, maybe a short three and a half hour break, but you'll find yourself returning to your daily life feeling rejuvenated oh, wait. after a cuddle party. Can I
4: just? I have a question, follow up question. Yes, you. These cuddle parties are three and a half hours. You're cuddling for three and a half hours. It's, it's a short
3: three and a half hours, though.
4: That sounds like the longest three and a half hours of my life.
3: A mini workshop will help you set the stage for you to refine your communication skills, learn to ask for what you want, to find your boundaries.
4: Well, I guess if you're sucking on the nipple for five minutes out of the three and a half hours, it's not that bad. Oh,
3: open cuddle time. Open cuddle time gives you the opportunity to practice your new skills. You'll have the new the opportunity to touch and be touched. No. Hold hands, back rubs, spooning, and the like. Nope. And you can also choose to sit and enjoy conversation over some snacks. You can even just sit and watch. No. Women who are seeking a safe non-sexual environment to give and receive touch. That's who goes to those cuddle parties. Men who are seeking touch in a fun environment without the need to bring a partner. Men who are learning how to encourage a woman to ask for what she wants. Men who are also learning to ask for what they want in an atmosphere of consent.
4: Suzanne has a Ph.D.
3: Yes. Well, I mean, I don't...
4: And now she's having people suck on her nipples.
3: (laughs) who's the dude (laughs) i'm sorry who's the dude who goes to a cuddle party
4: what do you mean you know exactly who that guy is why why don't he's a guy who wants to have some nipple time clearly okay i don't know how much prostitutes run but at 80 bucks for three and a half hours that sounds like a good deal if you're a creepy dude It's economics, Gary. It
3: is. It's one hundred percent economics. The ec- I'm gonna stop.
4: What were you gonna say? The no. economics of what? No, something that would I shouldn't go too far.
3: Turn your mic off. The outside.
4: water's warm in here.
3: No, oh, I can't say it even then. Okay. Uh, when we come back, this uh, the legal battle. I told you last week that the L.A. Times has turned against Sheriff Villanueva. Uh, people are piling on now. We'll talk about oh. what's going on with the sheriff.
4: Also, coming up in moments, police are expected to hold a news conference regarding that uh, murder at Cal State Fullerton. Ooh, okay. So we'll uh, we'll dip into that if we can get it. Gary and Shannon will continue after this.
5: Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I just can't.
4: It isn't in my blood. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, there is a press conference going on right now in Fullerton about the murder on the campus of Cal State Fullerton. Here's what we know so far. Police say the man who was killed this morning on campus was a faculty member who worked in international student registration and that he was stabbed multiple times inside a silver four-door Infinity sedan parked on the campus. He is in his 50s, was in his 50s. The suspect is in his 20s, both Asian, according to the police. But any possible connection between the two or a motive is still unknown. Investigators do believe that this victim uh, was specifically targeted. And the suspect was seen running from the area is only described as having black hair, wearing a black shirt and black pants.
3: We're trying to get the uh, the news conference. When we get it, we'll definitely bring it to you live. Uh, there's also a uh, pretty significant fire, structure fire down in the uh, Paramount area. So if you're on the 105 or the 605 or the 710 or any of those, 91 even, you might even see thick uh, black columns of smoke. They said it's a, a tool Manufacturer tool company uh, that is on fire, and uh, they're doing their best to put it out, but there's some very, very thick smoke that's coming out of it right
5: All now. All
4: right, Blake, let's bring up that press conference there from Fullerton. There was something,
5: but at this point in the investigation, they do not believe that he had received any specific threats. And can you go over for us once again? He is a retired Cal State Fullerton faculty member who has come back and is currently employed by the university. That is correct. And and what? His, his job description. He uh, the the victim. Michelle asked. Uh, he he was a retired faculty member from Cal State Fullerton. He is back now as a retired annuitant working for the university. Uh, he worked in international student affairs. Okay. All right. Thank you. I'll provide more information as it comes. Available. All right.
4: So again, this was a man who was retired. Had come back to work in the international student registration. Branch of Cal State Fullerton stabbed multiple times. It's, it appears inside his car inside the uh, Infinity sedan parked on campus. He was in his 50s. Sus- suspect they're still looking for in his 20s. Looks like they are still searching for any possible connection between the two. Huh.
3: That's, that's, uh, there's a lot of odd things about that case, but that's uh, how could you not know somebody who was in your car?
4: What do you, Assuming, you well, I mean? If, well, that's think why they said he was targeted.
3: The, yeah, that.
4: Uh, hmm. and there's obviously a connection between the two because they believe that he was specifically targeted. They just need to figure out what it was.
3: And the suspect's still on mm-hmm. the loose. Uh-huh.
4: I just got an interesting uh, item that crossed the wire, and it's about opening statements that are going to start tomorrow in a civil trial, a lawsuit brought by 22 women against GirlsDoPorn.com. And the lawsuit alleges that the owners and operators of the website coerced them into taking part in film sex scenes under false pretenses.
3: I'm sorry, did you say it's funny because it sounded like you said that the name of the website was GirlsDoPorn.com.
4: Just a classic teaching moment for a gas PSA. Ladies, if you go apply at a place called girlsduporn.com,
3: chances are
4: it's going to be sex stuff. Hmm. Just throwing that out there. All right. It's just getting worse and worse for the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. There's now a price tag on the urination match between the Sheriff's Department and the County Board of Supervisors all over a deputy who was fired by Sheriff Jim McDonald because, I don't know, domestic violence. I mean, there's video of this guy trying to break into his ex-girlfriend's apartment. McDonald's said, get the hell out of the department. And then he's brought on by the new sheriff, Alex Villanueva, because the two are buddies and he helped him with his campaign. And now the the legal bills are piling up. And who's paying for it? You and I.
3: Yeah. What's fun? Well, fun. The court, the judge on Friday basically hinted that he's going to rule against the sheriff and in favor of the county who wants to see this guy Uh, taken off of the force again. County lawyers have said that the sheriff overstepped his authority when he reinstated uh, Deputy Mondoyan after the Civil Service Commission upheld the original firing because of violation of domestic violence rules. Now, at this point, at this point, Vienaweva told the LA Weekly it would have been cheaper to give Mondoyan what he had asked for in back pay because I guess he's been working without pay for seven months. Um, But as of today... The bill alone in lawyers' fees is approximately $3 million.
4: Now, listen to this. Villanueva is on an L.A. Weekly podcast, and he says, I saw one bill that almost stopped my heart. Wow. Like, he's making light of this. He's making light of the fact that he's costing the taxpayers all of this money so that he can have his buddy who's got DV issues in the department yeah what what a what a lack of perspective and
3: and his argument was I could have solved this whole thing for two hundred thousand dollars, which was I assume that means that's how much back pay Carl Mendoian would have gotten if he were reinstated originally you know since from the time he was fired.
4: Also if you're going to employ your buddy and your buddy says, well, I'm going to go after the department for back pay. don't you say, hey, keep your head down for yeah. a while How about
3: how about we just wait a little bit? How about we just you know, let ride this out, just so that people number one forget your name, maybe, and the fact that you were busted for uh, for banging up uh, on your wife. I I felt yesterday. I'm sorry. I felt last week like he lost the L.A. Times. Yeah. Remember the L.A. Times was uh, I I always got the feeling that they were super happy that a guy like Weva was going to come into the sheriff's department and number one. Kick ICE agents out of the county jail system.
4: Well, most Democrats were, but he lost the Democratic Party and he lost the LA Times in yeah. doing so.
3: And once you do that, your days are numbered, yeah, I think, yeah. for, for LA.
4: But how, what what position in place? I mean, what what position is the county to get rid of him? And what what do we have to go through for that? What's the protocol? You, I guess, you can A recall? recall the sheriff. Yeah.
3: Uh, I mean, recalls are not particularly easy to do. No. One, they're not often successful. Two,
4: is that the only way, though? I'm wondering.
3: Uh, I suppose there could be some. Or if
4: there's another legal way, they could go about doing that.
3: Which would like a, an impeachment of some kind. Some kind. Well, I mean, if took, we saw Lee Baca uh, get busted, but it would take sheer corruption. Right. You could make an argument, though, that sure this, is, this sure smells like corruption. But uh, yeah, he's losing the L.A. Times. He's losing other uh, members of the media, and I know I, it's hard for me to see this guy continue uh, a full a full term as sheriff. I don't know.
4: All right, coming up next: Have you ever heard of the Bird Mafia?
3: Is this something about How about my, falconry? My my shirt How
4: about the sport of falconry?
3: Oh, I've heard of those. Yes,
4: the sport of falconry is alive and well, as is the Bird Mafia in Orange County. We'll tell you all about it.
3: Gary and Jana will continue after... I like that shirt.
4: I really like that shirt. That's a good shirt. Shannon, KFI AM 640. Police say a man was killed this morning on the campus of Cal State Fullerton. A faculty member worked in international student registration, stabbed multiple times inside his car. They say he was targeted. He was in his 50s. Uh, And the, the suspect is in his 20s. He took off. They're still looking for him. He's described as Asian, black hair, black shirt, black pants.
3: There was a shooting involving LAPD last night as well. A couple of officers on patrol about 1130 at Lombardi and Alhambra Avenues in the El Sereno area. Uh, Somebody standing on a corner shot at them. They were not hurt, but uh, they returned fire and eventually killed the guy. Uh, But no reason as to why. They said they weren't even... The LAPD said these officers were just on parole. They weren't looking for anybody actively or anything like that.
4: Well, there have been five years of investigations and protests, and the NYPD has now today fired an officer who was involved with the chokehold death of Eric Garner. Those cries of, I can't breathe, really did spark a national debate over police use of force. Locally here, Gavin Newsom is set to sign one of the strictest use of force rules here in California, allowing police... To use deadly force only when necessary in defense of a human life, rather than when reasonable. We'll talk about that more coming up in the one o'clock hour. Falconry? Falconry.
3: Is awesome.
4: It is very awesome. Dates back thousands of years, but has become much more popular in the past decade or so.
3: I didn't realize that the, the, the national... Uh, Sorry, the North American Falconers Association has uh, about 2,000 members. Most of those people train their predator birds for hunting. But a lot of them here in California specifically have trained falcons for commercial purposes, which is literally just to scare the living bejesus out of other kinds of birds and pests to keep our, um, our resorts looking nice.
4: Yes, they are being used at places like the Montage Laguna Beach, Terranea, places like that, because those places don't enjoy the seagulls, the blackbirds and the pigeons that continually make a, rest, a mess on the, on the roofs. They steal food from guests that are just lounging by the pool. And when you're paying the kind of money you pay to stay at Montage Laguna Beach, you don't want to deal with birds. All right. So they bring in these falconers. Yeah,
3: it's it works better than bird repellent. You don't have to uh you don't have to poison any of them. You don't have to spike those little spiky strips that hang on the ledges so that the birds don't gather there. You
4: just scare them away. You intimidate them away. Adam Chavez is a master falconer who has been employed for more than 6 years by the Montage to keep this uh, this uh, resort free of those of those uh, birds he says it's a predator prey relationship that has been going on for centuries he says we are the winged security we are like the bird mafia
3: this is awesome
4: yes um let's see here the falconers in the la area charge about 65 dollars an hour so they're making less than the the cuddle therapists if you're keeping score They say costs could be $1,000 a day, depending on the number of birds and handlers needed.
3: Well, and some of the people who own these companies, another one is uh, Vahe uh, Oliverdian owns Falcon Force, which is a bird abatement company. And he says he's got more job offers than he can handle. He has 26 employees, 60 different falcons and hawks, and he just continuously... As people coming to him looking for help.
4: Lynn Moorfield is president of the California Hotel and Lodging Association. She says the biggest problem with these nuisance birds is the annoyance factor. Here's her quote. To the guests, when they have French fries by the pool and a seagull steals them, that's where the rubber hits the road. (laughs) (laughs) That's when we got to step in. That's when we got to call the falconers. We can't have somebody's French fries eaten. Now...
3: In a normal setting, in a natural setting, don't don't these birds kill the other birds? I mean they eat them. Yeah. But in this case they don't they're not trained to kill them. They're just trained to flex their muscles, their bird
4: pecs. And then they're they're rewarded, right? They oh, are they're fed chunks of meat as a reward for swooping over the pool, perching on the roof of the montage.
3: You mentioned Adam Chavez, uh, the owner of the uh, uh, the company that works for Montage. He first fell in love with birds when he was 12, predator birds. I guess his father owned a mining company, a mining property near Nevada, uh, in Nevada, I should say, where he came across three young falcons that appeared to be abandoned. With the blessing of state fish and game officials... He said he raised one of those birds and later passed an exam to be a falconer. Now a he, falconer.
4: Now he has a business. He employs 15 people. He's got 30 hawks and falcons. His birds wear GPS devices on their back so they can be tracked. And all they they work for is a chunk of quail or rabbit meat. That's it. That's it. When did you uh, fall, fall in, in love, love with, with, falconing? with predator birds?
3: About two minutes ago.
4: Which bird was it that yeah, you really get... I've gotten riled up over this. I
3: just think it. Listen, if you can make it's such a it's such a small niche business, but there's so much demand for it right now.
4: Are you gonna maybe take off before the twelve o'clock hour well, and see try your hand at falconing? Uh,
3: first, first thing I'm doing, I'm gonna go on eBay and I'm gonna get myself a kestrel falcon. Okay, uh, and then I'm gonna train that little guy. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna make money.
4: Do you know how to train a, no, a
3: falcon? It's on YouTube, I'm sure. Okay, I'm sure it is.
4: And when are you gonna do your falconing? We do a radio show here from ten to two.
3: Whenever he, I could do it at two thirty, I'll take appointments starting at two thirty every day. Okay, and uh,
4: you and your little falcon, yeah, go out there. Uh, how long does it take for the falcon to mature or in the training? I guess. To, oh, to again,
3: I'm not certain, but through you know my research on wikipedia and youtube i think by tomorrow i'll have all your answers and i might even have a logo designed for my my company
4: make sure you get gloves for what for the talons those look really sharp
3: uh i might train them to not grip my arm so tight okay that's part of the training
4: what are you going to name your falcon
3: oh that's a great question
4: well you think about it i don't want you to rush judgment and we'll uh, figure that out after the break frank I like that. Frank the Falcon. Gary and Shannon.
3: Frankie Knuckles. Because he's kind of, you know, you got to be intimidating.
4: Yeah. And giving him a mob name. Well, it's part of the mafia. Part of the bird mafia. Mafia. Got it.
0: I'll give you one.
3: And on Monday, August 19th, KFI AM 640. Sonic like a in the Swamp Watch comes up an hour from now. We're going to talk more about the uh, ongoing questions about the health of the economy. The president says we're doing just fine and has suggested that stories about a potential recession coming up have been perpetrated by uh, Fed Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, uh, that allied countries are trying to hurt our economic interests. And. Of course, the media trying to create a recession, so it looks bad for him. Talk about that coming up at 1230.
4: Well, it's difficult enough to deal with the DMV and uh, just local agencies, right? If you maybe get a, a ticket or something that you felt like you didn't deserve.
3: You got to know people, right? I mean, you got to know people to take care of that sort of Stop thing. It. And if you don't know people... Stop. Then you're in a bad place. Why is your face all red?
4: So anyway, it's a logistical nightmare to be able to navigate the DMV as it is. Imagine you were sent ticket after ticket after ticket, parking citation after parking citation, and you weren't responsible for those. Well, that happened to Joseph Tartaro.
3: Joseph is probably smarter than all of us. And he, he definitely thinks he's funnier than all of us. Because when he was signing up for vanity plates three, four years ago, he, as a security researcher, all into tech, thought it would be super funny to put his private license plate, his personalized license plate, as the word null. Yeah, I mean, he he
4: wanted it something to do with his security researcher life. Sure. Something cute.
3: And then for his wife's car... He was going to get the word void. So on the
4: driveway plate. would ah. read null and void. Clever man. A little, clever girl. A little too clever for my taste, but okay. So he does that. And the problems began about a year after that.
3: <laughs> it turns out he gets a ticket for not having the appropriate registration sticker on his license plate. He says someone probably scraped it off and used it on their own car. And he thought about fighting it, but he realized, you know what? It's a $35 ticket. I'll just pay it, get it over with. It's not worth the hassle. But something broke when he paid that $35 fine.
4: The citations started coming. Dozens of them deposited in bulk to his mailbox. Parking violations. Stand-stop violations, fines of $37, $60, $74, $80, all from Fresno to Rancho Cucamonga. Hell, he's never even been to Fresno. He was not the one that went on this statewide parking-related crime spree. But somewhere in the database, the word null got associated with his personal information because he paid that registration tag citation so anytime a traffic cop forgot to fill in the license plate number on a citation the fine automatically got sent to joseph
3: yeah for dozens of different kinds of cars different places up and down the state he says i even have tickets that go back to 2014 before i had this personalized license plate
4: twelve thousand dollars worth of fines Joseph was facing. So you're thinking, well, he can just call and talk to somebody and this can all get sorted out. Well, if you have that thought, you're not from California and you've never dealt with the DMV or DirecTV's customer <laughs> service line, well, everything is more complicated.
3: All of these fines were sent by a private company called the Citation Processing Center, which handles all of these different uh, parking tickets and, and moving violations. And they said... He says, I reached out to the company, and they're basically saying, I have to prove, without a doubt, that hundreds of parking tickets are not mine. And he says, trying to speak to a manager went nowhere, and he said, you've got to mail all of them back to us with proof. So he declined. He worried about losing the paper record of these misallocated fines. He said the next thing, the next day, he noticed something odd in the online listing of the citations that the citation processing center's website had there. And he said, for example, he got a specific ticket for a Honda. Well, he doesn't drive a Honda, he drives an infinity, but he said in that online version of it, the record had been changed to an infinity, which is what he drives, with his car's VIN number, even though it's still listed make and model as a Honda. So he
4: takes a picture of the two side by side, right? The paper copy that calls it a Honda and in the computer, the system that's changed it to an infinity. So it matches up.
3: He goes to the DMV. Amazingly, amazingly, he said it worked out better to go to the DMV than it did with the citation processing center private company. They voided the most of the tickets that had come his way. Most so, of the tickets. Most. So that so he gets his fine down about half, somewhere around sixty two hundred dollars. But still didn't solve the problem because he's still getting tickets sent to his house.
4: He says that at this moment, he cannot re-register his vehicle without paying the tickets, but he can't pay the tickets because it, it, it admits guilt. And they were able to get him down to, what, $140 worth of tickets? Both from Fresno, where he's never been. He's never
3: been. <laughs>
4: um, but there's no guarantee more fines are going to show up along the way.
3: Right. Yeah. And, and the only thing is, uh, you know, the DMV, as as wonderful as the people might be who work there, they don't give a damn.
4: They don't give a damn. And also, the DMV does not have control over local parking authorities. You know, this is like a multi-agency cooperative effort he's going to need.
3: Right. All they know is that he got a ticket. The DMV is not the one that issued him the ticket.
4: So he says he's still determined to keep his license plate and not just as a point of pride.
3: (laughs) Jeez. Um, There are other problems, I guess. Uh, Wired.com, in the context of Joseph Tartaro and his null license plate, they said there are other examples that have been problematic for the DMV, ones that say no plate or no tag or no tags. Or X's. There's, what, seven X's in a row, which has turned into a problem as well. He got as many as 10 tickets in a single day, hitting $19,000 in total fines before the city figured it out and adjusted it for him. Uh, but here's a good one. This is, this is a fun one. License plate. One honey.
4: Yeah, this goes back to New York City in 2015. A girl there, Brigitta Wareham had her car booted four times in less than two years. But she didn't didn't owe any money for fines. And it turns out that New York allows residents to have the same vanity plate as long as it's owned by different types of vehicles, which is ridiculous. But anyway, that's the law. (laughs) So she was paying for the sins of another truck that had the same vanity plate Uh. Of one honey, number one, honey. If you know that sometimes you, uh, sometimes you're punished for just being dumb with your vanity plate. If New York
3: has this, allows you to have the same vanity plate as long as it's on a different vehicle. What different would stop
4: you from committing a crime and then s- switching plates? How many
3: Yankees fan, uh, oh god, yeah. license plates are there in that state?
0: Cruel.
4: Well, I don't think a lot of people drive in the city, at least. I Maybe mean, cars. In the city. All right. Um, let's see here. Coming up next, why 25 year olds, 26 year olds are still going to little baby doctors?
3: Because of their warm hands.
4: Did you hear Victor out in the hallway? Yeah. He said uh, it, it was his birthday last week. He turned 25. He's a new man. And he said he's a new man. And I said, what do you mean? I said, oh, yeah, I remember when you were like 12 years old and your birthday would come and you were going to reinvent yourself. And he said, yeah, I'm still doing that. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him.
3: Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment.
1: oh
4: we on the playback, I do
3: KFI AM 640.
4: Gavin Newsom has just signed a law changing the standard for police use of deadly force to only when necessary as opposed to reasonable. We're going to get all the details coming up in the one o'clock hour on what that's going to mean for police officers.
3: Also, we're expecting to uh, to touch base with Andrew Mullenbeck. He's been down at Cal State Fullerton. There was somebody murdered in their car in a parking lot this morning stabbed to death by somebody they have yet to find out who did it uh they do have a description of a guy who ran off after killing uh i guess an employee former employee who had come back to work at cal state fullerton and uh we'll get more details from from andrew coming up a little bit later in the show hey uh you remember this from uh Remember this from Friends? Hey.
4: How was a pediatrician? Oh, I really liked him. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really, really good. I promise
1: you wouldn't say anything.
4: I know. Frost still sees his pediatrician.
6: <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Are you serious? You still see Dr. Gettleman?
2: He is a brilliant diagnostician. Diagnostician or boo-boo fixer
3: (laughs) that chandler he was always one with a line
4: you know i don't mean to offend the friends loyalists but i heard you talking about it in the office this morning how it's hard to watch those episodes now and i couldn't agree more i mean what the hell was that
3: i am thankful that my daughter has not gone down the friends hole Yet, She's in into of the office
4: watching. and good stuff. Like, Watch
3: The Office a couple of and times. Like Parks like, and Rec, right? Yeah, stuff like okay. that. Smarmy, not smarmy, sarcastic right. and snarky. That's yes. that's what her thing is.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah. Friends is hard to see now. 20 years later, it's the for some acting. reason does not hold I don't on. know, man. Anyway, this uh, it turns out, just like Ross still went to Dr. Gettleman, his childhood pediatrician, there are a lot of people, young people who don't want to go out and get their own doctors.
4: Well, it's uh, it's because of them staying at home older now and the Affordable Care Act, where you can stay on your parents' health insurance until you're 26. There was a pediatrician that talked to the media. Her name's Joanne Alfonso, and she works in Freehold, New Jersey. She says uh, she walked into her office recently and mentally rolled her eyes when she saw her next patient, a 26-year-old car salesman in a suit and tie, thinking... That's no longer a kid. That's a man. She says at first it was like 21-year-olds, 23-year-olds, and now they're 26. And a lot of them can't afford to live on their own, get their own insurance, or even afford the copay.
3: The American Academy of Pediatrics has gotten in on this as well. They've attempted to address the issue of a transition from pediatric care into adult care. They had a policy statement a couple of years ago, and they what they concluded was that the age of transition – should be based not on a number but on a patient's individual needs Mm. which i guess is yes but that just smacks of you do whatever you feel is right
4: sweetie head pat
3: head pat head pat if you want to go see dr gettleman until you're 30 that's okay
4: Debbie Francesco is 41 years old, and she says she went to her pediatrician until she was about 27. And she says the thing I remember very clearly, especially towards the end of my time there, was how the moms were the same age as me and not thinking that I was too old for the doctor, but that they were too young to be having babies. I don't,
3: I don't know if it was a sign of the size of the town I grew up in. We didn't have pediatricians that I knew of. I mean, I just went to... I just went to Dr. Brown. That was it. Because everybody in my family went to Dr. Brown. All the way, growing up all the way through high school, if I came back from college and had to go to the doctor for some reason, it was Dr. Brown's office that I went to. I
4: guess I just wasn't really a sick kid. I don't remember going to a doctor. really. I mean, I would go for my thyroid situation because I was born without one. So I'd have to get blood work done every six months. Right. But I think I was just getting blood work done and going to see the endocrinologist. But other than that. I don't remember. I I, yeah, I, 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 I I do actually remember a pediatrician. Um, but I don't remember when that stopped. Probably around the the right time. I remember taking our kids
3: to pediatricians cuz that's what you were supposed to do. I yeah. mean, I don't know why it would be different than Blake, do you a go doctor. to a
4: grown-up doctor? Sure do. Okay. When did that start?
3: When I turned 27. No, wait a seven. minute. I think this is an important question. You're 27 let, now? Let me, let me clarify Just this kidding then. <laughs> Blake, yes. Is the doctor you go to Grown up. Yeah. He's okay. That's like clear. 50? But now that you are a grown up, mm-hmm. you're seeing somebody who handles mostly adults. Oh, yeah. No, okay. it's me and a bunch of old people in the waiting room. <laughs>
4: okay. <laughs> and Nick, you've got a grown up doctor too, right? I do, yes. Yeah. You want to take bets on Victor's situation?
3: Oh, uh, I don't think he believes in doctors. Oh. If I
4: were to guess. If I were to just guess. That's a good one. I mean, He's late-night
3: guy anyway, right? Is he? Yeah.
4: Huh. What does that mean?
3: Well, I mean, he likes to stay out late.
4: Oh, he's he's like a club kid?
3: Yeah. Huh. You could see it in his eyes.
4: All right. Coming up next, we'll talk trending. Everything everyone's talking about everywhere.
3: I'm Gary and Shannon. Jump, suit, jump suit, cover me.
4: Yeah, looks like some SWAT team activity in Rancho Cucamonga right uh, now.
3: On Vine Street apparently there was a domestic dispute of some kind or at least a fight that took place between two people and a woman had been set on fire this morning, taken to Rancho Cucamonga or uh, sorry taken to uh, the hospital in the area and the SWAT teams again on Vine Street in Rancho Cucamonga because whoever did it apparently is in a standoff with law enforcement. So,
4: lot to get you caught up on today.
1: Time for What's Happening.
4: Well, police were able to thwart three potential mass shootings, they say, in the span of three days late last week. Cops arrested three men in separate incidents, one in Connecticut, one in Florida, and one in Ohio, after receiving tips from the public. That is the good news in all of this, that people are seeing something and they're phoning it in and they're being taken seriously. The wannabe shooters are ages 20 to 25, all white. A man in Connecticut who posted on social media about his interest in committing a mass shooting a man in Florida who threatened to shoot dead at least 100 people and break the record for the longest confirmed kill.
3: Yeah, but he was saying he wanted to stand three miles away from a group of people. Yeah. Uh, that's that's quite a I, – I don't think you're going to get a, a bullet to go that far.
4: Also, a white nationalist who targeted a Jewish community center in Ohio actually went online and posted that he was the shooter at the Jewish community center before he was going to maybe carry that out. Mm.
3: Uh, There is a story you heard Andrew mention this here at the top of the hour, this retired faculty member that was stabbed to death this morning at the parking lot of Cal State Fullerton. About 8.30 this morning, man in his 50s, a retired member of the school faculty was working with uh, or had worked with international students. They found him sitting in a car. Paramedics tried to save his life, they said, but he died at the scene. They have not said who did this. All they've said is that the attacker was a man, they don't have a great description. Uh, they just had some uh, dark-colored clothing as well. Um, this this is not connected to, but there was also a, a headline out of San Bernardino where a 24-year-old middle school teacher was shot and killed near a park in San Bernardino while she's sitting in her car with her 5-year-old son uh, over the weekend.
4: Well, we've been telling you about it all morning long. NYPD officer Daniel Panto. Panatello has been fired for causing that chokehold death of Eric Garner five years ago. It was the police commissioner's call, and he did not seem like he wanted to make this decision, uh, wanted to stand behind his officers, but that this was a break in the policy, the department policy using that chokehold. This was... The man who was captured on cell phone video repeatedly yelling, I can't breathe, which became a rallying cry for the Black Lives uh, Matter movement.
2: I agree with the deputy commissioner of trials, legal findings and recommendations. It is clear that Daniel Pantaleo can no longer effectively serve as a New York City police officer In carrying out the court's verdict in this case. I take no pleasure. I know that many will disagree with this decision and that is their right.
3: Seventy four percent of economists in uh, new surveys see a U.S. recession by the end of 2021.
4: They were surveyed by the National Association for Business Economics, and most do not share uh, the optimistic outlook coming from the administration for the economy.
3: Yeah, they're saying uh, this hasn't changed a lot. They generally did see recession coming later than they did in the survey that was taken just a few months ago. Uh, But again, it's predicting what the economy will do is not a very easy thing these are probably the smartest people who are trying to do it but if 34 percent of them say they believe a recession will come in 2021 that's up from 25 percent but 38 percent of those polled predicted the recession would occur next year that's down slightly from 42 uh, so, percent. The
4: president on Sunday said, I don't think we're having a recession. we're doing tremendously well. our consumers are rich. I gave a tremendous tax cut and they're loaded up with money.
3: Uh, Jeffrey Epstein's death has continued to reverberate and the now Justice Department has decided to remove the acting director of the Bureau of Prisons from his decision uh, Bureau of Prisons from his position. Hugh Hurwitz... Uh, was reassigned today because of the mounting evidence that uh, guards at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York continued to abdicate their responsibility to keep this guy from killing himself. The FBI and the Justice Department's inspector general have been investigating his death. Uh, But at this point, we know that the guards were asleep. We know that he was taken off of suicide watch and he didn't have to. Uh, One of the other things that's trending today is What's better, Seinfeld or Friends?
4: Isn't Monday hard enough without an inane question like what's better? A show from 25 years ago or a show Show from from 25 25 years ago? ago? Uh, I never... Furthermore, who's dying on that mountain? Who's taking to Twitter to uh, extol the virtues of either one of those shows? Guys, I can't
3: go to lunch with you today. I have to defend Seinfeld on Twitter. uh, Or Chandler and Ross taught me how to live my life as a young man in my 20s. That's troubling. That is.
4: As hell. Troubling as hell.
3: Well, they did have jobs, right?
4: They did have
3: jobs. Joey was an actor.
4: I just, when I think of. Dr. Drake. Romero, uh, right? Right. Something no, not like Remore. Remore. Yeah. yeah. It's just that when I think of a man, I don't think of Chandler, Ross, and Joey. I think of them as they're children, adolescents.
3: Yeah, yeah. they're children, and in an in a incredibly expensive apartment in New York.
4: I mean, if you're going to learn how to be a man, right. you should watch MacGyver or Rifleman. Rifleman. <laughs> just to go back a little further. Oh, my mom? I enjoy, wow. I enjoy a little meaty. You want to see
3: a man model yourself after Chuck Connors?
4: You pansy! <laughs> That's right. We could use a little bit of Chuck Connors in 2019. <laughs> what would Chuck Connors say about the man buns and the skinny jeans and the loafers with no socks? Uh, cut it off of
3: your head.
4: What would he say? Is he still alive?
3: Did you know he he played in the he played for the Cubs in 1951. You're damn right he did. Did you know he played for the Boston Celtics in the 40s? You're damn right. No wonder my my mom had a ch- uh, crush on Chuck Connors.
4: Everybody has a ch- crush on Chuck Connors. Say that. Say that faster. Everybody has a crush, crush on, on Chuck, Chuck Connors. Connors. He died in 1992. Well, that's too bad.
3: We need a show like The Rifleman. Yeah. Yeah, we do. To teach our young men to stop going to their pediatricians, to cut their stupid man buns, to stop going to cuddle therapy, to pull their pants up, and stop being a butthead.
4: I would leave out the three packs of camels a day, though, that Chuck Connors Chuck enjoyed. Yeah.
3: Did he eat them or did he smoke them? He... <laughs> you Chuck know Connors, those were
4: unfiltered. He could,
3: he could do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> Oh, speaking of which.
4: What? Chuck
3: Connors would not go to forest therapy. (laughs) We're doing forest therapy. You know what his forest therapy was? His forest therapy was riding a horse through the forest looking for the calf that went missing from the rest of the herd. That's what Chuck Connors' forest therapy was. I don't care if it took him three and a half days. And all (laughs) he had to drink was the sweat from the brim of his cowboy hat.
4: (laughs) Let's talk forest therapy when we come back. Good idea. Uh. Oh, my God. I think I pulled something. You guys,
3: both of you men in there, right? And I use that term loosely. Your job now from this point forward is to do everything in the style of Chuck Connors. Outside of the smoking, Shannon makes a good point. point, three packs of filterless camels a day, probably not helpful.
4: Listen, we were going to do a story about forest therapy. Uh, it, the bottom line is this, get out in nature without your phone or your earphones and take a walk and look at the trees. It's good for you. That's, that's what the story is. And this is four pages of forest therapy baloney about watching ants crawl up a freaking piece of bark. Um, And we did a story about cuddle therapy earlier in the show. And I've decided that since we started talking about Chuck Connors, we're going to not talk about forest therapy. We're going to talk about Chuck Connors. Gary's been acting out, simulating The the cuddle therapy incident where... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you know what? I don't I'm not gonna get into it. Anyway, it's gonna
3: sound weird. Chuck Connors. <laughs> Chuck Connors had an acting career, right? Probably Chuck- most notably he was the title character in the Rifleman in the ABC series from like You're- fifty-eight to sixty-three, something like that.
4: You're damn right. Uh, my mom texted me. Loved rifleman. Please, oh my gosh. more Chuck Connors, less friends in Seitfeld. Because he was a good he was a good
3: person, a Civil War veteran, a widower. He was a lieutenant in the eleventh Indiana Infantry Regiment. A battlefield commission uh, just before the end of the war. Uh, the thing is, the common thread in the series is that people deserve a second chance. And he gives them all kinds of chances, even though he uses that Winchester rifle ah. like it's an extension of his body. From
0: The hip.
1: A Rifleman. The
4: Rifleman. Chuck Connors was born... Kevin Joseph Aloysius Connors.
3: I love it. Aloysius. Yes.
4: He tried out different names before becoming known as Chuck. He tried out Lefty. He tried out Stretch. And he ended up choosing the name Chuck because when he first played baseball, when he played first base, he would yell to the pitcher, Chuck it to me, baby. Chuck it to me.
3: Mm. That ruined part of what Chuck Connors is.
4: He... Played for Chuck the Celtics,
3: yes. The, now wait a minute. Okay, let's pause. You just said he was a baseball player. He the Celtics well, he isn't played for the team. Celtics,
4: and then he left the Celtics to join the Brooklyn Dodgers in '49. He also joined the Cubs in '51. I know. Swoon. We can all agree on Chuck Connors,
3: guys. Can't we guys put this in, put this in your pipes and smokes it. Chuck Connors. Was the first professional basketball player
4: to break the backboard? He's the original Shaq. The original Shaq. You know why? Because he's Chuck freaking Connors. That's why. Wait, why do we just have to take notes? Why don't you have to take notes? There's I'm already
3: a lot of gap sold between you. And I'm Chuck already Connors. sold. You guys have just a bunch of pansies as your like life coaches now. You
4: guys have Ross at his pediatricians. I we never had liked Chuck Connors. Friends. Did you know? Start I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say
3: Jerry Seinfeld is the most masculine uh, example either. Neither but... is George. Yeah, George. Yeah, see? I don't hold any of those people up. I'm a Kramer man. Okay. no. No, no. Not, Especially no. not him.
4: Absolutely not. This,
3: listen, Chuck Connors would say to these people, you had an opportunity to turn yourselves in. Let me play that clip for you because this, this is from one of the episodes of The Rifleman. He's standing there with the sheriff. He wasn't even the sheriff. He's standing there with the sheriff. And they catch a couple of bad guys who had handed down a a beat down to somebody.
1: You left him for dead. That's what he said. We don't know nothing about that. You know how it feels, a beating like you gave him? Either one of you ever been shot? I tell you, we did nothing.
3: Which, by the way, I love is a common question. Either either, one of you guys ever been shot? I have. And it hurts. Hurts like a son of a bitch. I've
4: been shot 16 times. He drew a gun. (laughs) Jim Oxford never carried
1: a gun in his life. Uh, You're under arrest, both of you. You'll cool your heels in jail till Oxford's well enough to testify. Now move.
3: Now yeah, they do side eyes at each other and start walking away. Don't do it, bad guys. They go for their guns. No, don't do it.
1: Hot lead. Justice coming out of the middle of that
3: Winchester Model 1892. From his hip. From his hip. He didn't even aim.
4: Mm-mm.
3: He shot from his hip. His hip.
4: Johnny Crawford played Lucas McCain's son on The Rifleman. Says that Connors loved to play baseball with him during breaks and between scenes. <sighs> Who is more into Chuck Connors? Me? Me? Or Gary,
3: <laughs> both of your mothers. So I, well, and, that's probably you know what, true. Chuck
4: Connors is what generation after generation after generation can agree upon, not And Chuck Connors, as
3: you know, uh, the rifleman character is really sort of that heroic character that we all. He's you know personally wounded. You know, he'd lost mm-hmm. his wife, I think, to smallpox or right. something exotic like that, right? Which wasn't so exotic back then. Uh, he'd been shot before. I mean. That's a card to play at any cocktail party, right? You ever been shot? And then the idea that he still has a heart after all of that. He just wants to see good people treated well.
4: And he looks great doing it.
3: My favorite part about the opening to the Rifleman, watch it on YouTube. he It opens with the gunshots, right? It opens with him shooting from the hip, this Winchester 1892. Right? When the camera pans up and you see him, he's looking at the camera. He's not looking at what he's shooting at. He's looking into you. He's looking into your soul. And he reaches down. He pulls out a couple of bullets from his vest pocket, slams them into the side of that Winchester, and then looks right back through you. Mm-hmm. Right at the camera. Mm, That's I what Chuck Connors did.
4: All day long. Good
3: Lord, I feel so invigorated.
4: Okay. Uh <laughs> <laughs> You're making it a little weird Chuck Connors right. did never have cuddle yeah, therapy coming okay, up next <laughs> Let's go live to Capitol Hill And figure out what the hell is going on With the economy News today that 74, 74% of economists Say we're headed towards a recession By the end of 2021 We will check in on what the White House says about
3: The rival man is Gary, looking right at you.
4: Gary and Shannon will continue. Hey,
5: one foot in front of the other. Hey, one foot in front of the other.
4: I think we have maybe have decided something on the show. Uh, to fight back against cuddle therapy and 2019 in general, really. <laughs> the Chuck Connors yardstick.
3: Yeah, everything will now be measured against Chuck Connors. Sounds like. Or at the very least, the Lucas McCain character from uh, from The Rifleman. By the way, just walked outside and yelled down the hallway. Tim Cates, producer extraordinaire for the Petrus and Money Show. Sure. He says, hey, great show. I said, you hear the Chuck Connors thing? You can't say Chuck Connors' name without somebody wiping oh, yeah. up from one of the cubicles. Oh, you guys talking about the rifleman?
4: Chuck Connors uh, is big with Nancy as well.
3: Yeah. This is a good. Rodney good thing. calls
4: her Nancy by the can because she sits by the bathrooms. And Nancy said, how could you not have a crush on Chuck Connors? And then she reenacted him shooting from the hip. Oh, she did that with the sound effects. She knew how many
3: shots he peels off in that. I know. Like Thirteen.
4: We all do. Every, oh,
3: uh, Rancho Cucamonga Vine Street right now. Still working a uh, SWAT team situation. There was a standoff of some kind, some fight this morning. Saw a woman get lit on fire, and she had it to was be taken his mother. Oh, it's even
4: worse. Yeah.
3: Uh, so they're they're trying to get this guy out of there. There was a big fire at a tool warehouse in Paramount this morning poured black smoke into the sky around South L.A. that you could see for miles. And then the big story, and we'll get more about this in the uh, 1 o'clock hour, the story from Cal State Fullerton. Police looking for a man suspected of stabbing and killing uh, a a former employee at Cal State Fullerton while he was sitting in his car in the parking
4: lot. But we kick off Swamp Watch with the economy. Drain the swamp. We're going to
1: drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together
2: launch.
4: Well, he told you about the inverted yield curve, which started all the talk about the R-word recession, and then seventy-four percent of economists who were polled say that they do see that as a big concern by the end of 2021.
3: Mona Kosar Abdi is joining us from Washington, D.C. with the latest on all of this. Mona, how are things going?
6: Well, it depends on who you ask. So there is, you know, those warning signs, those economic warning signs that have uh, sent the market going crazy and has a lot of uh, people on edge. But President Trump has been dismissing those concerns. He says that this is all a ploy from to stop him from getting reelected. He says that he doesn't see a recession uh, because the inverted yield that you guys are talking about, that is usually a sign that there's a recession looming. And so uh, economists and experts are saying that uh, possibly for 2020, but he's saying that the economy is stronger than ever. But he did give himself some leeway and said that if, it, if a recession were to happen, it would be because he took on China and that the European Union has, quote, treated us very badly. Uh, but again, I mean, there's no obvious uh, triggers that are, uh, that are uh, out there that are equivalent to perhaps like the dot-com stocks in 2000 or the, the housing bubble in 2007. But uh, there were enough signs that had uh, some experts on edge.
3: We've seen the drag, it appears, on the economy from the uh, tariff war with China is that going to be a mm-hmm. massive issue going forward uh, when we see, you know, the, we know that the tariffs were pushed off, the ones that were supposed to start on September 1st. Is this going to mm-hmm. be the main talking point when it comes to economic wellness for the next couple of months?
6: Well, that is some of the uh, that is a, a big factor that was uh, part of the red flags that were. um showing the economic downturn. For example, you know, they had this on-again, off-again trade war with China uh, that fed uncertainty into business decision-making. Uh, you had corporate investment spending that's softening uh, despite the big tax cut. But again, it goes back to uh, the trade war with China where China was manipulating their currency last week, and that also sent uh, the Dow Jones down as well. And a lot of people are looking uh, at that because it seems like there's no signs for it to be over when uh, Mike Pence today was speaking and re reacting to news of uh, a possible recession. He once again touted that the economy is strong and also said that uh, that they're the first administration to take on China head on and really take a hard stance against them. So it doesn't seem like uh, the Trump administration is looking to back off anytime soon.
4: I'm wondering if there's going to be any room to budge on those tariffs that are headed uh, in December on China Mm -hmm. Just because if it's an unpopular thing for the president going into 2020, if he would delay those, I'm just wondering if that might be a political move that we should be looking for.
6: Uh, Perhaps. I mean, he has delayed it before. He's threatened it twice before and uh, Mm -hmm. has pushed it back. Um, And I believe the first time was in May when he mentioned that he was going to – issue tariffs on $300 billion worth of Chinese goods, which is essentially all of the Chinese imports. Uh, But again, what is important and what um, the president hasn't been saying is it's the American consumer, uh, definitely American businesses and American consumers that ultimately pay these tariffs. China is not going to be paying these tariffs. And so uh, the president, though, has said that, you know, We're going to break in billions of dollars uh, from China because of these tariffs, and it's going to be great for the economy. Uh, But in reality, uh, it's American businesses that pay these tariffs to customs, and then they pass it on uh, to the American consumer, making goods more expensive. Uh, He's also said that possibly that this will um, make it so that American businesses look inward and bring their business back to and manufacturing back to the United States. But that takes years and years because the infrastructure just isn't in place uh, so it doesn't look like um, this will be popular going forward if he does implement it and American consumers start feeling it uh, anything from our phones to our clothes to uh, a lot of our day-to-day uh, uh, day-to-day items that we use every day have you know come from China and so once those go up it doesn't seem like the American public will take be um, too happy about it yeah.
3: all right Mona thank you appreciate it
6: Thanks for having me. You bet. Mona
3: Kosar, Abdi there from, uh, from Capitol Hill. The Speaking of Wall Street and keeping an eye on all of this, what the economy is doing, the Dow has been positive all day today. It's been up about 300 points. Um, and one of the, uh, the Fed Reserve members had said that cutting interest rates now, like the president has suggested, that cutting interest rates now would make any recession, if there is one in the future, would make it even worse. So um, we'll see. Uh, when we come back, continue our swamp watch. We're going to get – I mean, this is – perfect swamp watch material the mooch now says he's going to put together a team of former cabinet members to speak out against president trump
4: oh and mark sanford is weighing a possible run for 2020 on the republican ticket because it's going to be mark sanford to unseat mm. the president right. mark sanford who disappeared when he was hiking a trail in argentina with his mistress forest therapy. he was going on forest therapy he could have his, been doing the nipple therapy with too. his soulmate, right Gary and Shannon, KFIAM six forty.
5: Can you say?
3: Me, me. Me, me. You know, I realize all this excitement over Chuck Connors. Can you say? And his character, Lucas McCain from The Rifleman. Yeah. Someone's going to try to tear it down. Oh, and yeah. I, I assume by tomorrow's oh, show. I'm already
4: getting stuff. People that are hating on Chuck Connors. You know what? Hate all you want. We celebrate the man, we celebrate the character.
3: Well, it's, hold on. Because I don't want something weird to come out about him. Like, there's, I mean, there was some weird stuff going there- on. Uh, Hollywood.
4: No, that was not... In my nipples and look into my eyes. There was yeah. a rumor that he was involved in some weird stuff, but it was never confirmed. <laughs> I don't believe that he was involved in any of that. Okay. So well. let's just leave it at that. All right?
3: Yeah. We're in the middle of uh, Swamp Watch talking about what's going on in Washington, D.C.
4: Anthony and- Scaramucci is like a freaking cockroach, man.
3: Uh, what I think is funny is that the president doesn't realize that continuing to talk about him on Twitter is only adding fuel to the Scaramucci fire.
4: Everybody with a microphone is trying to find Anthony Scaramucci because they hate the president. And uh, it's just so transparent because Anthony Scaramucci would not get this media attention if anybody else was sitting in the White House. Um, That's not saying anything in support of the president. It's just going after the media for being... Kind of childish here. Anthony Scaramucci was communications director for, what, 11 days? He wrote a book complimentary of the president and then didn't get attention anymore. Well, he wants attention now and he knows what he has to say to get it. And it's that he wants to break down the president. He wants to put together a team to take down the president. He calls him unstable and says he is putting together this team of people, former cabinet people. He says, everybody knows this guy's unstable. Let's see if we can find a viable alternative. And the only name connected with this this uh, uh, coup, as it were, is Mark Sanford. Now, if you're going to go after the president, legitimately, legitimately try to bring him down and run somebody that actually could unseat him in the Republican primary. His name is
3: not Mark Sanford. No,
4: it's not the guy that uh, took off to Argentina with his mistress.
3: Well, the only and he hasn't even declared that he would do this the only declared republican candidate for president outside of donald trump is bill weld let me reintroduce you to bill weld he ran for vice president with gary johnson 3 years ago and even though gary johnson
4: was so high when we talked about so him was so high
3: <laughs> Uh, we had him in studio at one point and he was wearing those weird Bluetooth headphones that kind of, they look like you're wearing a wishbone
4: on your neck. Yeah. Uh,
3: it, I, if Bill Weld and Mark Sanford are, are the only yeah. ones who are going to run against Donald Trump,
4: then you're in trouble.
3: Stop. You're wasting money. That's the thing is he's wasting money. Now, in terms of whether or not he's going to be able to get anybody, uh, Scaramucci in terms of his cabinet official of, officials, these former cabinet officials, To speak up about it. Uh, No. No, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to grab anybody. What's he going to do? Get Rex Tillerson alongside of him to talk about how...
4: Yeah. Wow, that's a blast from the past. I mean, you
3: could make the argument... Rex Tillerson,
4: Chris Christie.
3: Yeah, you could make the argument that, that Donald Trump handpicked these people, and then they failed for whatever reason, and he fired them or got rid of them or asked them to leave or whatever spin you want to put on it, and then turned against them. I mean... He talked about Anthony Scaramucci being good at the job that he was going to do. It took him one official Scaramucci, which is now a unit of time, 11 days. It took him one official Scaramucci to get fired from his job because he got so full of himself. Remember he was doing interviews with uh, yes, New York Magazine, New Yorker, something like that, and just was railing left and right like he'd had six uh, handles of vodka next to him.
4: He's the he's unstable. If we're talking about instability, I mean that that, and he's also so so damn needy of attention. And is he really putting together a team of former cabinet people to unseat the president? I don't believe he's doing that. He's only saying that because he wants to get on CNN. He wants more FaceTime. I'm just
3: gonna say all he's saying that for is so that uh, whoever Anderson Cooper asks him a little bit later tonight. So how's that going? Are you guys, you guys got your team together yet? Or is it like going to be like political Avengers? You're going to grab somebody from over here and maybe somebody from Wakanda. And then you're all going to go and take on Thanos or something? Can you Oops. imagine if Chuck Connors played Thanos?
4: Chuck Connors is the size of Thanos.
3: He was not that thick. He was a skinny
4: fellow. Uh, Would we say skinny? No, I'd say solid. I'd say slim and solid. Built like a brick outhouse.
3: All right. Did you see the president go after uh, go after Fox as well?
4: Oh. Trouble in paradise, huh?
3: Well, he said um, that they were throwing softball questions at uh, Democrats and said, Fox sure ain't what it used to be. I guess uh, he's upset with Chris Wallace because Chris Wallace actually asks questions of people uh, and doesn't, you know, doesn't gag on. uh, Chris Wallace is an independent thinker. And if for some reason President Trump doesn't like what a Fox anchor has been saying and then he goes after them on on Twitter, I don't know if he believes that somebody at Fox is then going to call Chris Wallace into an office and say, what are you doing? Why would you uh, why will you go after a Democratic lawmaker with softball questions when the president doesn't want you to do that? That's not the way Chris Wallace works. I don't know if other anchors at Fox do that, but that's not that's definitely not the way he works.
4: Did you hear about the uh, wall bill built around the White House? Yeah. I guess I should say fence, not wall. Secret Service says the new White House fence is going to be 13 feet, one inch tall. This is going to replace the current six-foot fence, which has been scaled in recent years. It's going to feature state-of-the-art elements, which are keeping been kept top secret. And that construction workers have been seen setting up over the weekend. And it looks like this construction will remain until 2021. $64 million fence outside the White House.
3: Well, this is... And it's not just somebody from the wrought iron company that's coming out there. This fence design... Had to be approved by the Commission of Fine Arts and the National Capital Planning Commission. Uh, the fence will have an additional inch of space between pickets, or a total of five and a half inches between the posts. Part of it is they said that they want they still want people to be able to see through and take pictures through it. Although the fence itself, because I don't think you can get right up to the fence. If I'm not mistaken, there's a, there's a barrier in front of the fence even, so you can't yes. stick your camera through there. At right.
4: All. The taller fence was needed, they say, after a series of break-ins, security breaches, including in September of 2014 when that man from Texas who had a knife was able to scale the fence, sprint across the North Lawn, and enter the White House.
2: Hmm.
3: I think we just need more dogs.
4: Falcons. And Falcons? Falcons. Protecting the White House? And Chuck Connors.
3: All right. When we come back... Alex Stone's going to join us. Uh, the governor signed a new bill to give us one of the toughest use of force laws in the country when it comes to law enforcement, and it's probably not what you're thinking. Uh, this is uh, considered an anti-police officer bill, and we'll explain why when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Some uh, local stories. uh, They were just showing another uh, view of a fire on Somerset Boulevard in Paramount. A couple of pretty big explosions actually took place at a tool warehouse, I believe. Uh, they haven't said if anybody was hurt, but just uh, some amazing amounts of smoke that came out of that thing this morning.
4: Told you about the urination match between the new sheriff in L.A. County, Alex Villanueva, and the L.A. County Board of Supervisors. And it centers around a deputy that Villanueva rehired, a deputy that Jim McDonnell fired because, I don't know, domestic violence But he was helpful in Villanueva's campaign, so Villanueva rehired him while a judge has just finalized a ruling ordering Deputy Carl Mandelin to surrender his badge, uniform and weapon and to cease to hold himself out as a deputy sheriff while a lawsuit over his rehiring goes through the court.
3: Well, up in Sacramento, Governor Gavin Newsom has signed what is believed to be one of the toughest laws in the nation when it comes to police officers and when they can use deadly force. Helping us cover this story, Alex Stone, who's joining us to talk about all of this. Alex, what's, uh, sorry, let me push that button and then push that button again. What's going on, Alex?
0: Hey, guys. Yeah, this new law is highly controversial. And today, Governor Newsom, he was surrounded by family members of those who have been killed by police that... The, the family members chanting the names of their loved ones, Stefan Clark, uh, was one of the names being chanted, family members who were there. But this new law that will take effect on January 1st, it says that police will only be allowed to use deadly force when necessary, when there is no other option out there, uh, taser, beanbag gun, uh, de-escalation techniques, that if, if none of that is available, that then they can use deadly force instead of the current nationwide standard of uh, when uh, it is reasonable that deadly force could be used, that, uh, that now that's going to change on uh, on January 1st. The governor today, uh, he said that, that he thinks this is going to catch on nationwide, and uh, he made it pretty clear. As California goes, so goes the rest of the United States of America, and we are doing something today that stretches the boundaries of possibility it sends a message to people all across this country that they can do more. Now, once it goes into effect, if there has been, when there is a police shooting, if investigators decided there were other methods like de-escalation, like a taser, uh, any other option other than, uh, than just uh, than firing the weapon, that if there were those other options, then the officer could face criminal charges. That an officer saying, I feared for my life, will no longer be enough as it is right now under the objectively reasonable uh, way that the courts currently see it. If an officer says, "I, I feared for my life, but they say, yeah, but you could have done this then criminal charges could be filed against them.
4: Did the governor, Alex, talk about his time working as a police officer? Did he talk about what he was able to understand about split-second decisions and how sometimes wasting one more fraction of a second can result in an officer's life being lost? Did he talk about yeah. his, his experience?
0: All those many, many years that, that he was on the force? Uh-huh. I And this is where both sides don't see any kind of an agreement here that, uh, you've got the the side of the Governor today with all of the the family members of those who have been impacted and uh, of course, it is very emotional for them they don't believe that their their loved ones should have been shot and killed by police, and in some cases, maybe they should have been on a case by case basis but then on the other side, you have police saying we're doing the best we can out there that that it is a split second decision. That now if you turn that corner and you see somebody holding what might turn out to be a fake gun, or maybe it's a a black metal pipe at nighttime, but you've got your flashlight on them and you can't tell what it is and they're pointing it at you, that in that split second moment, if you stop to think, wait, what can I do in this moment? Could I use my taser right now? Could I retreat and try a de-escalation technique? Versus firing on that person, that then it could mean the officer's life, life, that They are strongly against this. Now, some of the unions have, uh, because of some changes to the the new law, they've softened their stance a bit. But a lot of police officers are are very much against this.
3: Now, I was surprised to see that some of the law enforcement unions, uh, the advocacy groups that have been working on this, did commend the legislature for passing this bill. They also want to see a, a bill that would back this up by making sure that everybody gets training on what will be the new state law.
0: Yeah, that that will be the follow-up bill that they are working on right now of uh, how far will training go and what is that that training going to mandate, what's called post-requirements, the police officer standards that all police in California have to meet, that there are a number of training requirements they want police officers to have to adhere to. One of the reasons why some of the unions backed off a bit uh, that they did get some changes made in the wording of what is now law, but but in this bill, that initially the, the law was going to require that police use de-escalation tactics before deadly force. And police said, look, that's not always possible, that, that you arrive at an active shooter, that you arrive on a domestic violence situation, and you have to take quick action. You can't say, hang on, let's talk about this before you fire your weapon. And that that just... That wasn't realistic. That on the 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 side of Democrats, that's what they wanted. They wanted to be said to be able to say, "Let's always talk about this," but it's not realistic. And so now the the law will encourage police to use these tactics, the de-escalation tactics, but it won't require it as the the original wording would have.
4: You know, it's really easy to sit in your air conditioned office up in Sacramento and uh, do the white collar work that you have done your entire life. And think about, well, yeah, now why can't they, uh, when they're out there, take the extra time and and try and de-escalate the situation? Or why do they have to use deadly force? And there's a reason why the laws are the way that they are, and it, they do save officers' lives. And I, I just hate it when people that have no idea... How to do the job or what the job entails and, and how that adrenaline courses through your veins when you're in an altercation with somebody on the street and you don't even know what you're dealing with uh, what they're armed with, any of that it's it's just it just blows my mind to think that you would have the balls to to go and, and, and change the law like that when you have no clue what the job entails physically and in, in those split uh, split second decisions.
5: Well, the, the
0: families of, of those who have been shot. This is uh, seen by them as a big win today. They say that their fight is not over yet. They feel like that, that this is an advance forward in in the what they have been fighting for. But you look at a case like Stephon Clark. That was the one in Sacramento last year. The one where there were reports that that, he, that somebody was breaking into cars. Police arrived. He ran from them. They chased him into what turned out to be his grandparents' backyard. They turned the corner. And he held something up, turned out to be a, a cell phone that was in his hand. But when you watch that video, the two officers, one who was black, uh, turn the corner and they yell, gun, gun, gun. And he's standing there and he's been running from them. And they can't tell in that instant what that is that they're holding. Now, in a case like that, will this change anything? Probably not. Those two officers, at least from their body cam and from what they said, they truly believed that he was about to fire on them. Now, would a jury see that as, as necessary? Maybe not, because he didn't have a gun. But for a police officer, they at least claimed and seemed in the moment to, to see that as necessary because they thought they were about to die. Now, technically, under this new rule that just being fearful of their life, if there was another option, that, that's not enough, and they could be open to charges.
3: Alex, thank you. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone, the latest on uh, this new bill signed into law by the governor today. Uh, it changes when this new standard would instruct officers to use lethal force only when it is necessary. That changes what it is right now, which is that police can use deadly force when it is reasonable.
4: We're going to lose all, reasonable to all so. police officers. Well, I mean, if I was a police officer coming up, I wanted to be a police officer, I'd move out of California to do it.
3: The thing of, that I, that is going to be frustrating about this is that even if you've got law enforcement officers who are now second-guessing themselves in the midst of situations like that, where there's the potential for them to lose their life or someone else to lose their hate- life, you've also got people on the other side who are going to say... Oh this changes everything or they you yeah. know in the next moment when police officers do shoot and kill somebody they're going to look at this and say well we just passed this law how I thought this was going to end and that's not the way that it's going to work
4: well and you've just brought up a good point think about how this means something to all of us because let's just take the uh, police officers at the Trader Joe's you know some guy run you know there's a million different ways that police officers stop there're being massive bloodshed by making those split second decisions you know think about if I'm when g- we're in when it's not like a standoff situation or or what have you they they you're they're out in the public and you want police officers pausing i don't know
3: and if you're the governor you're around CHP officers all day they're the ones who run security for you why don't you sit down and have a conversation with them about it especially in the context of their officer who was just killed last right. week uh, all right, Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment and we'll do an update on uh, what's going on at Cal State Fullerton today.
6: I'm on. Why is so while me
5: down. If I just
6: let go, be
3: Gary and Shannon, Monday, August nineteenth. A lot going on today. We've been talking about the economy. Of course, over the weekend, there were a lot of questions about the health of the economy. The president says they're unfounded. We're not headed for a recession. There was a poll that came out from the National Association for Business Economics. 34% of economists said they believe a slowing economy will come. Probably a recession officially would come in 2021. About another third of them said that it would come in next year, a little bit earlier than that.
4: Well, quite the police activity over what appears to be a murder at Cal State Fullerton on the first day back. Andrew Mullenbeck is covering this for us and joins us now. Andrew, what do you know about what went down this morning?
7: Well, Cal State Fullerton now says that the man who was killed was a retired administrator from Cal State Fullerton. He's a man in his late 50s, but after retiring, he returned to campus to work as a consultant. And that may have been the reason that he was on campus this morning. Uh, Fullerton Police Sergeant John Radis says the man was stabbed about 8.30 on campus today.
5: A suspect was seen by the witness who contacted the police via 911 to Cal State Fullerton. The suspect's described as an adult male Asian in his mid-20s. He had black hair, wearing a black shirt, black pants.
7: So what's happening right now is obviously campus police have been here all all along, but Fullerton police have taken over. Uh, Orange County County Sheriff's Department is also here with bloodhounds, and they've got the usual perimeter around the area uh, trying to go on with this search. But again, it's been, what, about five hours since this happened, and they're still looking for this man in his 20s who stabbed this consultant.
3: Uh, we don't have an official ID in terms of knowing who this guy was, the suspect, but it sounds like he would fit the age range for a student, right?
7: Right, exactly. That's really the big question here. Uh, again, this is uh, Radis saying it's not clear whether the killer is or was a student, but he says this doesn't appear to be random.
5: There is obviously the belief at this particular point in time that the victim in this case was targeted, uh, and of course that will be part of our investigation. So at this point...
7: Uh, Police are saying that they don't want anybody to be overly worried that there's some sort of random stabber running around Fullerton or the campus of Cal State Fullerton. They believe for whatever reason it was targeted, the why is definitely something they're going to have to sort out. But again, they're looking for a guy in his 20s who, for whatever reason, went after uh, this consultant, whether he knew him as a consultant or whether he knew him while he was an administrator for all those years on campus. Uh, that's what they're going to try to sort out. One quick thing about uh, the semester starting today. Yes, today is officially the first day of the semester starting, but many of the students are not actually back yet because classes won't really start until Saturday and into next week for normal Monday through Friday classes. So we're not seeing nearly as many students as you might normally see during a regular school day. It's just kind of people beginning to show up to campus, but the beginning of the semester, not the beginning of classes for all the students.
4: Andrew, thank you. Appreciate it.
3: Yeah, sure thing. Andrew Mullenbeck, there again the latest. The man stabbed to death this morning in a parking lot of Cal State Fullerton on what was supposed to be first day of classes. Uh, When we come back, we mentioned um, the issue in New York that was decided upon today. Uh, The New York City Police Commissioner made it official that the officer who put Eric Garner in a chokehold will be fired and will lose his pension as a result. We'll talk about that decision with Aaron Katursky, who's in New York, in a few minutes.
4: Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, getting some new information about Jeffrey Epstein and his will and the odd timing of his uh, signing of that will. Also, some news connected to the Epstein case regarding a statement that was released from Buckingham Palace. Tell you about that coming up.
3: Today's also uh, Independence Day in Afghanistan, which has uh, been pretty subdued in terms of any celebrations. They said that there was an ISIS attack over the weekend on a wedding party. At least 66 people were killed. But there were also a series of other explosions today uh, on Independence Day around Afghanistan that have injured dozens and dozens more people. Uh, Well, we played for you a little bit earlier today. New York City Police Commissioner James O'Neill talking about uh, the decision officially to fire... Uh, Judge, uh, sorry, Officer Pandaleo, Joseph Pantaleo, Daniel Pantaleo. Uh, he was accused of putting Eric Garner in an illegal chokehold uh, as Eric Garner died on the sidewalk in uh, 2014. I
2: agree with the Deputy Commissioner of Trials, legal findings, and recommendations. It is clear that Daniel Pantaleo can no longer effectively serve as a New York City police officer. In carrying out the court's vertic- verdict in this case, I take no pleasure. I know that many will disagree with this decision, and that is their right. There are absolutely no victors here today. Not the Garner family, not the community at large, and certainly not the courageous men and women of the police department.
3: Again, James O'Neill, their New York City police commissioner. We're talking about uh, agreeing with the judge's findings in that official announcement today.
4: Aaron Katursky is covering the story for us from New York. It joins us now. Aaron, a long investigation into today's final decision.
1: It was a long investigation, and it was put off because of other investigations. First and foremost, uh, the, the Staten Island District Attorney presented the case to a grand jury it ended up uh, being no build, and then the case went to the feds in both the Obama and Trump Justice Departments. And finally, last month, five years after Garner's death, the uh, the Justice Department under Attorney General Barr decided federal civil rights charges weren't warranted. So, in many ways, even though it's been five years, the the disciplinary procedure internally was only just getting started recently, and it finally ended with a, a departmental judge finding that Officer Pantaleo. Was reckless in his use of a prohibited chokehold. Did not intend to, uh, to 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 hurt or or certainly kill Eric Garner, uh, but did recommend that that he be fired, and that was a recommendation that the commissioner acted on today.
3: When I listened to Commissioner O'Neill this morning, it sounded as if he was saying that there was a moment when the first the first moment that the chokehold was applied, it was acceptable because Officer Panaleo thought that he was going to crash through this plate glass yes. window.
1: And this was, a, it, it, it's really narrow. The the, the chokehold only lasted, what, seven seconds. And at first, Pantaleo used it because he was off balance. And and they slammed into a shopkeeper's window. The window's vibrating. Pantaleo's trying to maintain a grip. It was when they went crashing to the ground that he maintained the grip on garner's neck that's when um the, the chokehold turned bad and in that moment uh, the commissioner said pantaleo should have let go
4: seems like some strong emotions on, on both sides and it was conveyed by the police commissioner today
0: he really
1: tried to walk a fine line He he knows eric garner's death was didn't have to happen he called it a tragedy uh, he knows that uh, the rank and file were going to be mad at him. And he said, honestly, if I were still a street cop, I'd be mad at me, too, because he, he knows the rank and file want to feel that the commissioner has their back. And he said he does. Um, but you could tell um, in, in his emotion that he he understands that in his role as police commissioner, he's got to think about the city. Uh, Gorner's dead. A- and though that was an unintended consequence, the commissioner said it was a consequence that deserved a consequence of his own. Did
3: Eric Garner's family speak at all today?
1: Uh, his mother's about to, and his daughter did a short time ago, and the daughter thanked the commissioner for doing the right thing, as she put it. But uh, the family is now moving on. They're trying to um, call for a federal federal law that would prevent all police departments across the country from using a chokehold.
3: And, and then finally, uh, Officer Pantaleo, is, is there an expectation he's going to fight this decision, or can he fight this decision?
1: Uh, I, there's an appeal process, uh, it, but it's more like a, a lawsuit, and it goes right back to the police commissioner's office. So there's not a lot of recourse here. The police commissioner does have um, the final word, but um, there is an appeal. It can be you know, heard or considered, but, but for all intents and purposes, Pantaleo's career is over.
4: Have we heard anything from him? Has he made statements uh, about this?
1: Pantaleo has not, no. uh, and in fact, the only statements we have – um, are from what he told investigators and the departmental judge uh, before whom he never testified said that she found his answers to investigators untruthful self-serving and disingenuous
4: oh interesting all right aaron katursky thanks so much appreciate it
1: okay guys
3: aaron katursky there, live in new york and again the uh, new york police commissioner today announced that officer daniel Pantaleo guilty of using a chokehold that was illegal and should be fired will be fired uh, in the case of the death of eric garner Um, to reiterate there was another story just in terms of law enforcement that we talked about today uh, and it was that the judge ruled that la county sheriff alex Villanueva should not have reinstated that deputy who had been fired for violating department policies and my understanding is he's been ordered to the deputy at least has been ordered to turn in his gun and his badge.
4: Right. Why while this lawsuit makes its way through the court system, a superior court judge said that yeah, you got to surrender your badge, uniform and weapon and you can't hold yourself out as a Los Angeles County deputy sheriff while this proceeds. And again, it's costing what it's reached the two million dollar mark on legal fees from both sides on the rehiring this deputy that had domestic violence passed enough so that Jim McDonnell fired him. And, you know, that two million dollar bill that's on us, guys, that's a taxpayer bill. Yeah. And Villanueva, by the way, going on the L.A. Weekly podcast and saying, gosh, when I saw that bill, I thought, Wow. Kind of laughing it that off. That seems a little like bit. a lot
3: of money. It's
4: like Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Talk about tone deaf. Uh,
3: all right, we come back. The latest on the Jeffrey Epstein case because it doesn't get any better. We now know that he signed his will not too long before he took his own life. What the heck does that? Can you? All right. Anyway, we'll talk about that, and uh, of course, the statement out of Buckingham Palace as well.
4: Gary and Shannon. Denon, kfi am 640 new york city mayor bill de blasio says the police commissioner's firing of that officer whose chokeholds contributed to the death of eric garner means that justice was served it says it brings a small measure of closure to the family bill de blasio also still running for president
3: uh, <laughs> yeah but at least they won't uh, yell at him to fire the officer anymore remember that in the debate he was interrupted by people yelling at him to fire Pantaleo. Um. Well, good news is, I guess, that uh, Jeffrey Epstein's brother is now rolling in the money because Jeffrey Epstein signed a will two days before he died to give his brother all of his fortune.
4: He was worth about $577 million in change.
3: You know who wouldn't stand for this guy existing In a normal society. Chuck. Chuck. Connors. Connors. The rifleman. That guy would have gone out and hunted somebody like Jeffrey Epstein. He would have given him one chance. And one chance only. And then he would have just unloaded hot lead into him. That would have been Chuck Connors. The uh, story about Jeffrey Epstein is now getting a little twist in it as well because Buckingham Palace has put out a statement to suggest that Prince Andrew had no idea...
4: That he was appalled by the recent reports of Jeffrey Epstein's alleged crimes. The statement read when it was released yesterday, it said that he deplores the exploitation of any human being and the suggestion he would condone, participate in, or encourage any such behavior is abhorrent. Abhorrent. Now, the, the timing of the statement is important yesterday uh, because it was Saturday that video was released from 2010. Video that shows... Jeffrey Epstein leaving his New York mansion with a young girl. And I found the video to be mm. odd because he's in like a giant parka. It looks very cold in New York, whatever time of year it was, obviously winter. And he's wearing this huge jacket. And the girl is just wearing like a light sweater, like a light thin sweater. And she kind of walks Epstein out to the car. He gets in the car and she's talking to him through the window. People are walking by uh, the all the while, bundled up for winter. And she, again, is in this light sweater. She goes back in the in the house and then you see the door open again and Prince Andrew is there and he's waving to the young woman. (laughs)
3: Well hold on a second. I'm gonna go back and look on my Jeffrey Epstein timeline here and it says that Jeffrey Epstein, bless you, had already at that point been convicted of raping girls. Yes. He had already sent been sentenced and served time in Florida For raping girls and has registered and would register from that point until he died as a sex offender for raping girls. And yet Prince Andrew still thought it was a good idea to go
4: hang out with him. The man who is fourth in line for the throne would not give up his friendship even after that friend had to register as a sex offender. It was 2008 that that went down with Jeffrey Epstein. So this was just two years later that Prince Andrew was still hanging out with him with young women in that New York mansion. Now, some of Epstein's victims who have lawyered up are talking about Prince Andrew, saying that he should be giving sworn testimony on everything that he knows. Of course, one of the women is the the woman named Virginia, who was pictured with Andrew. And she looks pretty damn young in this picture. And you know who else is in the picture is Ghislaine Maxwell, it's the three of them, and he's got his – she's wearing like a crop top, and he's got his hand around her her waist there touching skin.
3: Is that one of those uh, – again, I don't feel – I don't know if I have the same reaction to a, somebody touching that part of my body that a woman would. Would that be an uncomfortable position?
4: If if the skin was exposed. Right? Yeah.
3: That's an odd – Yeah. Especially if he's, you know, 65 years old and you look like you're about – 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the documents as well that came out Friday, of course, before the death, uh, so about a week and a half ago, was uh, court papers in a defamation lawsuit that one of these uh, alleged victims brought against Jeffrey Epstein's former girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell, and that civil case was eventually settled. One of those documents though, that was released was portions of a deposition from a woman named Joanna Schoberg. She said she was 21 years old in 2001. When uh, Prince Andrew grabbed her breast at Epstein's mansion in New York. Now, this is by the way, that's the that's the l- least creepy part about this whole thing that I'm about to tell you. Because in this deposition, Joanna Schoberg says that uh, it was sparked when someone suggested the the breast grabbing was suggested sparked when someone suggested they gather to take a picture, at which point. Joanna says that Ghislaine Maxwell goes to a closet and grabs a Prince Andrew puppet. Yeah. There's got to be at least zero of those in the world, and Jeffrey Epstein has the one.
4: Well, it's not... Totally out of the realm of possibility when you think of all the weird stuff he had in that mansion. You know, he had the picture of Bill Clinton Clinton in the Monica Lewinsky dress uh, with, you know, sitting in a chair in a seductive fashion in the Oval Office. And remember, he had a weird kind of human chessboard with little figures that looked like all the people in his employ. I Uh. mean, he just had a real weird house with weird belongings so the fact that he has puppet and he's got more money than god of his friend so he's got puppets of his friend
3: (laughs) joanna schoberg says they told us to get on the couch and so andrew and virginia sat on the couch and they put the puppet on her lap and so then i sat on andrew's lap and i believe on my own volition uh and then they took the puppet's hands and put it on virginia's breasts and so andrew put his on mine
4: Well, I mean, if the puppet was grabbing some boobs, then uh, I could see for the picture's sake that he'd have to reach over. How embarrassing for the palace, isn't it?
3: I cannot wait for the other shoe to drop on this one. I can't wait for some of these other people to be charged and put away uh, just just based on the descriptions of all of it. Can this many people make up this many stories? That are this depraved and weird about the same guy. No. The same circle of friends that he ran with.
4: Uh, I would also like to point out, full disclosure, that I have a John and Ken puppet in the Very office.
3: Very different. That's like in a, like a dammit doll, isn't it?
4: It's a smaller puppet. Right. About yay big.
3: But it's not like a Marionette. On Marian- one side, Mar- it's John's
4: <laughs> face. On the other side, it's Ken's face. Right. And now I did not make the puppet.
3: And when did you when's the last time you posed for a picture with that puppet on your lap?
4: I've never posed with that picture. I mean with that puppet on my lap, but I will if you want me to.
3: And you're going to reach around and grab the grab the puppet's parts?
4: The puppet doesn't have any parts. The puppet is like a Ken doll. There's nothing there. You just
3: said that it was a Ken doll. Right. And a John doll.
4: Right. You know what I mean.
3: Got it. All right, well, speaking of Did you
4: know that Chuck Connors was also in Soylent Green? It's people. And he was the first uh, actor to share a a movie scene with a video game console in that that movie?
3: I did not know that.
4: Well, there you go. A little Chuck Chuck Connors Connors. factoid for you.
3: Groundbreaking. First he breaks a backboard, then he plays for the Cubs.
4: And the Dodgers and the Celtics. (sighs) Sweet dreams of Chuck Connors, everyone.
3: Love it. Johnny Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on Gary and Shannon.